shift happens. I can't! I can't! This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my brand new online course, Mindfulness for Anxiety, the ultimate anxiety program. If you're someone who suffers from anxiety, then I can tell you right now, you are not alone. In here at our center, we deal with people day in, day out, suffering from all types of addictions, from all types of mental illness, and the one common thread that we see in everyone at some level is this anxiety. So I've put together this online course with some of the best tools, the best healing methods we have here at the center to make it accessible to everyone and really start to tackle this problem. So for more information, please head on over to anxietycourse.online. That's anxietycourse.online and enter the coupon code SHIFT HAPPENS. That's all one word, SHIFT HAPPENS for 50% off the price of the course, which makes the course like... I think it's 40 bucks. So 40 bucks for a heap of on-demand video, 30 different lectures, a PDF syllabus to fill out and go through as you go in your own time, a bunch of meditations to download and much, much more. So guys, head on over and start to get on top of your anxiety today. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to another episode of Shift Happens. Today on the show, I was very privileged to sit down with Mr. Jack Nagel. So Jack is the founder of an online platform called Real Drug Talk. And well, (laughs) what we did in this episode was have real talk about drugs. (laughs) Um, It was a great chat. Jack's got an amazing story. You talk about shifts in someone's life. My God, Jack has had some amazing shifts. At one point in his life he was in such a dark place that he was he's six foot six so he's a tall dude right he was 62 kilos at one point I can't even fathom how thin he must have been at that weight and he was at one point in the grips of drug addiction in the grips of mental illness he was in a life of crime it was suicide attempts overdoses uh there's so much to Jack's story which we dive in, into in this episode and to see where he's at now is just so so inspiring he is a speaker he does talks about these kind of things uh and also he actually runs a health food cafe with his partner so such a big turnaround for Jack and and we dive into all of that in this episode he is so open and raw and vulnerable in this episode I think you guys are going to take so much value from it because I know that I certainly did so without further ado here is my chat with Jack Nagel Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hassan, and I am privileged to be joined at the desk today by Mr. Jack Nagel. Jack, how are you, mate? Good, good. thanks. Thanks for having me. That's right, mate. And from Real Drug Talk, I feel like maybe the alternate name of this podcast could be called Real Drug Talk. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and where have you come from, mate? Your cafe? Uh, yeah, so uh, have a little um, hole-in-the-wall cafe just down the road from here in Moorabbin. If yeah. anyone's around local, um, Wise Fools Cafe, for Cochrane's Road. Look, I'm already wise fools. I'm already plugging it. We st- we're less than a minute into the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of ties in all healthy food. Um, yeah, which has kind of been a part of my journey, which I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about later. How long have you had that cafe? Uh, it's coming up to a year now, or just ticked over a year. So yeah, and yeah. tell me about that experience of owning a cafe. I, I like have this idea in my head. 
because I go to cafes all the time. I love yeah. it, right? And I'm like, oh, this would be a fun thing to do yeah. one day. I'll own a cafe. <laughs> then I actually speak to the people who run it and it sounds like there's that much bloody work involved. No, hard as fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's kind of funny actually. We, um, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you and your partner, right? Yeah, right. Me, me and my girlfriend Carolina um, own it and, and run it and we've just only started to get a few employees through there now. Um, but yeah, like went in with no hospitality experience, actually learned how to make coffee three days before, you know, <laughs> true. At least it was fresh in the mind, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so it was probably pretty bad for a while. No, but yeah, it is really hard work. I've kind of um, found a new respect for people that do hospitality. It's, it's full on. And yeah, we yeah. only run a, uh, yeah, like a hole in the wall with not much seating. So I could only imagine how hard it would be to do a full size cafe where you got to flip tables and oh, absolutely. customer service to the extreme. Yeah, I um, You just made me think when you said flip tables, I used to go with my mum and dad um, to Yumcha, right? And there's a joint out in Keysborough, yeah. Shark Fin, really good yum chai, yeah. right? But I would watch their massive restaurant and we'd go on a Sunday and it was always packed. Like, yeah. And they would do the like the two seatings and turn the tables. Yeah. And it was yeah. like a well-oiled machine. Like, oh, you yeah. know, you'd go from like the 11.30 sitting and they'd have like a one o'clock sitting and yeah. they would turn over all, there'd be a hundred tables in this joint. It's fucking huge, right? Yeah. And they would turn those things over in like 15 minutes. They'd be like, yeah. it'd be insane. <laughs> it'd be like an army just doing it. Yeah. Um, so if I was to go to your cafe, right? If I was, which I'm going to go to very yep. soon. You're awesome. very close, so I'm going to come past. I might even work out at the gym. There's a gym attached. Yeah, to that's it, right? right. So we, so just to kind of um, little bit of context on it. My girlfriend Carolina is, uh, you know, really deep into kind of natural health and is mm. studying that. Wants to become a naturopath, um, and uh, yeah, obviously through. Um, my journey of like addiction and recovery, you know, just overall holistic health has been really big and actually hanging out in cafes and drinking too much coffee and trying to <laughs> eat better food has been a big part of it too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was looking to do some kind of, I'll talk about it a bit later, I guess, or now, whatever, but yeah, I just, it was- Delve into it now if it's coming well, up. Well, yeah, so it was it was important to me. Um, I worked in um, pretty big rehabilitation centers and, and run them all around Australia and was mm -hmm. doing really well. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anyone listening knows kind of the way that that's all set up and it just wasn't sitting comfortably with me, um, the way that it was kind of uh, running throughout the sector in the private um, system and mm -hmm. um, the amount of money that people were paying and being turned away and just some of the stuff that goes on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I sort of realized for me, it took me a while to get there, but you know, even though I was doing well, I wanted to, I liked business, but I wanted to do business and make money in something that I was kind of proud of and yeah. felt, ethic, you know, ethically okay that about it. everything was sitting right, you know, there wasn't that little nagging voice. That's going, right. Yeah. That's right. And, um, you know, whatever anyone else does, that's cool. And I think um, those places can be great and help people and stuff. But yeah, it just wasn't sitting right with me. And um, yeah, so anyway, we went overseas. Um, took took my mum and my girlfriend actually and then came back and then didn't really know what I was going to do but yeah still was kind of pretty interested in business and then the gym that I go to had a little coffee bar in the corner that I thought had a bit of potential because mm -hmm. um, it was kind of not that well done at that stage and yeah we bought it and um oh it's just been a roller coaster ride <laughs> for the rest of the year but yeah it's it's pretty cool because it just um ties into the whole uh ethos of kind of what i'm about and what carolina's about and um sounds like it fits well for you both you that's know? right if i was yeah. to come along to the cafe what would i what would i get what would if i was to say jack just hit us up with your best right yeah. what am i what am i getting everything on the menu no. <laughs> 
No, so we do uh, all health food. So everything is like organic. Um, everything, Carolina goes through everything with a fine tooth comb. So, um, but we're not purely vegan or anything like that. Um, we do still serve uh, chicken mainly. We don't have any other real meat. Um, but yeah, so uh, funnily enough, uh, like acai bowls are our probably our favorite. Or as I used to call them, acai bowls. Acai bowls, yeah, that's what everyone says when they come in. Um, uh, so yeah, they're good and um, yeah, we do. The popular one at the moment actually for more of a kind of lunch type um, thing is uh, what we call a keto bowl in line with the ketogenic diet. Yep. And I actually, we came up with that because I was eating this certain, like I'm a bit of a freak. I can just like find something that I like and eat it every day for a year. Um, uh, you, <laughs> you know, and me both, mate. Yeah, I'm quite content with the- If you're on a winner, why change that's it? That's right. <laughs> but, but Melissa, she said to me, it was literally like last night or the night before, because I make these lunches, like I do a big cook up on a Monday. Yeah. Um, and so I'm the same, once I'm onto something, I'm like, that's it. That's yep. all we're having. She goes, oh, do you reckon we could maybe put this in our lunches? I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. <laughs> Let me try and integrate that into my timeline. Yeah. So tell me about the keto bowl. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, in line with the ketogenic diet and yeah, it just has uh, all healthy fats. Uh, ketogenic diet's about high fat, no or pretty much no carb um, way of eating. And yeah, looks at kind of getting you into something called ketosis and there's people that can talk about it better than me uh, but yeah just basically your, your, uh, your body starts switching from burning glucose or carbohydrates for energy to start uh, burning ketones correct yeah. correct are you a, sort of strictly on a ketogenic diet no I've tried it it's super hard yeah it's really hard strict, um, right? I did it for I did this like uh, eight week challenge thing not long ago because I was getting a bit fat um, through one of the gyms and um, yeah I did the ketosis thing and it's great uh, I could I stuck to it for like eight weeks, but uh, I found anything longer than that where I'm not in the right mind frame and whatever yep. is really hard. But it's not only for me. I, I found I wish I could do it more. It's just hard because of the type of food that you got to eat all the time. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to think that what carbs are in whatever. But yeah. So. Uh, but it's not just like the weight loss that's really good. It's actually yeah. Like I did find my brain function. I just was running and operating i reckon like 30 percent better yeah than you just I would feel be. sharper don't oh you? yeah it's I, i've had a similar experience i've trialed it on and off and yeah i've had the same thing i think most people there's been so many studies done on it that it's one of the best diets you can be on for yeah. physical mental and everything but like you said it's the adherence yeah it's like can i stick to this for you know more like you said a couple of months like apart from that like i love burgers too much man i've got to me too <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the mental clarity you have is amazing it's like once you I don't know if you had this experience. Once you started on the ketogenic diet, there's like a switching phase. It can be like a one to two weeks. Oh, yeah. When it must be when your body's like changing those fuel sources and yeah. you can like The feel keto like flu, they call it. Do they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Your body's aching, you're cloudy and you're like, fuck this diet. This yeah. is horrible. But if you get through that, you're cruising. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that that really helped. And, and now what I do is because I had such a positive experience with it, I... Yeah, just trying my best to kind of eat. I'll probably eat like 80, 90% um, fats um, and, and protein. And then, yeah, like I'll just have carbs and whatever when whenever they come about, when yeah. we go to a burger joint. Whenever they come about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whenever they enter my sphere of awareness. That's right. Yeah, look, I've, for me, settled on, because I love my health and everything, and um, which is funny because I lived on McDonald's and fucking Hungry Jacks for <laughs> yeah. a while there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I found that, sort of eating it's like that 80 20 rule you know like if i eat what i should or for my health yeah 
80% of the time, then 20% of the time I'm burgers and I'm going for it. Yeah. Uh, I find that to be a pretty good balance. I'd be interested to hear your experience with it because um, yep. I, I actually think it's like part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I, I find, um, uh, yeah, particularly with like sugar and um, like other unhealthy things, whatever it be, even if it's like a cigarette, I don't smoke, but if I have a cigarette, I just kind of find that I'll become a bit like um, – Obs- I'm not obsessive, but like I'll I'll find it hard to pull up. Like once I have one, I feel like I need to go and eat more and more and more. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah, okay, and, okay. I, and like so, with which foods? Anything like yeah. unhealthy food. Um, it kind of happens, and then can go into the unhealthy part. If I say if I start eating healthy. Uh, with the keto stuff, it starts like going to the extreme, you know, like I'm like weighing everything out, you know, like, which is fine, but but like my mental kind of state <laughs> will yeah. just be up up the shitter because if something doesn't go according to plan, like I'm kind of in my head for ages about it, you know, like yeah, I have yeah. a real tendency if I'm not yep. kind of onto... I'm, yeah, I think that's, that's really a thing. I've had the same thing. It's like that I'm going 100% this way or I'm going 100% that way. That's I'm right. not going to find balance. That's why this kind of... 80 20 thing with the eating has served me well yeah because it keeps me sane i don't have to fucking weigh everything all the time yeah. and go crazy like that yeah but then i don't have to i can i can eat the shit food those on those occasions but then not feel guilty about it and now i'm going to go back yeah. to my other eating yeah and preparation's a big thing as well with that yeah um yeah sugar's a funny one because um, you'll actually physically withdraw from sugar if yeah. you're eating too much of it. Do you go nuts on it if you if you eat? So so this is what happens to me. It's really yep. weird. If I buy a block of chocolate like right now, yeah, I just feel compelled to eat the whole thing. Yeah, it's right. Weird. Yeah, like, yeah. And even Carolina just thinks I'm a weirdo because I won't necessarily. It's kind you're of you're a like, pretty big dude though, so maybe like <laughs> a block right. to use like you know four squares to someone. That's else. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like if it's there, you'll just go for it. Like sugar's a drug. Like yeah. people, I remember. I've never sugar hasn't been a big one for me because I've never really had a sweet tooth. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Like I enjoy sweet stuff, but I'll not really crave it. Yeah. If I'm craving food, it's savory. Yeah. I just love savory, right? Yeah. But I remember years and years ago, maybe ten years ago now, when I was starting to really get into my health because yep. I've got Crohn's disease, which is a digestive disorder, okay. so I had to get into my health, work yep. out what I'm eating and all that. And um, yeah, me and my wife at the time, and we were eating sugar. You eat it unconsciously because it's yep. in so much stuff that yep. you don't realize. Um, and so I cut it out and, you know, I wasn't a sweet tooth, so it wasn't that big for me, but I did notice that my, because they say your taste buds, you know, completely regenerate every few weeks, can't remember the exact right. number. So yep. I used to have coffee with two sugars in it. Right. Now, if you put a quarter of a sugar in my coffee, I'd be like, that's fucking way too sweet, you know, because your taste buds adjust. Yep. But then anyway, after me doing it and my wife at the time, she was eating quite a bit of sugar, right? She was yep. very healthy and very fit, but yep. also eating a lot of sugar and chocolate. And the week that she came off the sugar, yep. it was like she was coming off smack. Like it was wow. intense. <laughs> like yep. the mood swings, the headache. She had a headache for nearly a week yep. um, just getting all the sugar and everything wow. out of her body. So to think it has it doesn't have that drug-like effect, yeah. it, it really does. Yeah, no, it does. Definitely for me, 100%. Yeah. But I've had a thing with, with the food. Now you mention it about finishing it. So I don't know if, <laughs> you know, I was a a long time prisoner or something in a past life right but if i've got food on my plate like i have to eat it all yeah so it doesn't matter what that amount is yeah i'll finish it yeah and like you know that, that feeling like i'm f- i know i'm full 
but I've still got half of my meal here, but I'm just going to eat it anyway. Yeah. So that's where I get. So that's why I just have to make sure my portions are sort of yeah. in that right. Yeah, I, I struggle with it. Like it's um, uh, I don't I don't struggle with it when I'm sort of on, you know, because obviously I still try and do a lot of um self improvement kind of work and mm-hmm. stuff. So when I'm engaged in that, I find that I'm more aware and I. I you know, I don't do it as much, but I've I've just really found it's a common thread throughout my life, and I'm always interested when I speak to other people, yeah, yeah that have been through addiction and stuff. It, if it's instant gratification, it's, it's not just, just people with so-called addictions, yeah. right? Like so many people have it. Like we yeah. see so many people in here with a real food addiction issue. Yeah. Now, what I think a lot of that is, it's like that whole idea: like if the chocolate's not in the house, you're not going to eat it. Yeah. And you're probably not going to think about it too much, but you knowing it's in the cupboard. Yeah, you're like I'm gonna fucking get that block right now and go yeah. for it because like wired into our brain is that that's like easy calories you know all this sugar and all this high dense calorie stuff that we have now that wasn't around in nature while our brain was evolving Yeah. so when we came across that big pot of honey like a yeah. beehive or we came across a whole berry bush kind of thing we would just gorge and get it in yeah. because we would see that once every few months you know yeah. even if that yeah. so it, it's built into our genetics that we need to take those dense calories in because there'll be starvation period ahead yeah problem now is there ain't no starvation period yeah we've got food everywhere so it's it's in it's in such excess that um i think the the evolution of us and our wiring isn't matched up with what's happening in society yeah. at the minute because i'm i'm pretty good with my health but if there's shit in the cupboard yeah and i'm a little bit bored at home <laughs> i'm going to the cupboard yeah, the favorite box comes out <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so um you know it's an interesting one yeah. definitely definitely so let's um go back to your past a little bit mate yeah you know, sure this this show's called shift happens and yep. i've know quite you know a bit about your story but yep. i'm learning to hear a bit looking forward to learning about it a bit more in depth because yep. it sounds like you've had quite the shift yeah. <laughs> um, in your life. Yeah. Um, so you want to give people a bit of an idea of sort of where you were you know, leading up to and around some of your lowest moments? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it kind of helps to just put it all in context and I promise I won't give the half an hour version. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so because um, I, I still find it interesting and um, still, uh, you know, don't understand it completely but you know so uh, growing up I'm, I'm from a very middle class family um yeah so I had probably not everything I ever wanted but you know definitely had everything I ever needed and yeah had some good opportunities naturally uh so I'm six foot six at the moment um and yeah I was naturally just good at sport when I was growing up um so yeah always active played sport always had heaps of friends and was kind of pretty popular um you know, so everything kind of socially and all that kind of stuff was all good. Uh, I wasn't um, that keen on school, like academically or anything like that. Um, so <laughs> didn't really do too well at it, but just played, kind of just was interested in sport and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like as I was growing up, I actually broke my jaw when I was younger playing football. And then in that off season, I started playing basketball. And um, I guess, you know, like being tall and whatever, I got, um, you know, picked to be in a representative side and I thought that was quite cool when I was young. So started just playing basketball full on and then, yeah, probably got, yeah, well, I did. I got quite good at it. Um, So, yeah, so flashing forward when I was 17, um, yeah, I was over in America playing basketball. Andrew Gaze was my coach. Crazy. Had great opportunities in front of me. You know, I'm not saying that I would have played professional basketball but you know the opportunity and it was at my feet like it was there um 
good stuff was happening, still had lots of friends, but it was really weird. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, at that stage, I probably had 17, yeah, I probably had an addiction to smoking weed at that time and um, it wasn't really affecting anything in my life. Um, but yeah, I was always just kind of interested in drugs and kind of interested in doing something else you know um and uh yeah that it's a common thing when i think back on it uh always felt i didn't know this at the time and i never knew what anxiety was until i got clean and i was able to put like someone explained it to me and i was like fuck i've been kind of anxious my whole life <laughs> i've had that moment as well yeah um so so yeah so there, there was always kind of that and it was more just kind of socially just being um I guess a low self-esteem for whatever reason. I don't know. Like I always sort of felt like I wanted to be, even though I had great things in my life, I wanted to be someone else or I wanted to do something different, which is really weird. So um, I guess some of that stuff combined with, you know, always being a little bit like wild, I guess, and wanting to kind of go out and party. Uh, I was always really like well-natured, well-mannered, really nice kind of kid. But yeah, it was just really interested in drugs. All my friends were doing it and it just kind of like took off from there. Um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff happens. You just mess around partying and whatever. But what happened was I went, to, yeah, when I was in America, um, experienced, I was quite naive, <laughs> experienced my first withdrawal, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, I really think drugs definitely have a personality because uh, I came back and yeah, I just, like my whole personality had changed. I just told everyone, it was completely out of the blue to everyone else, but I just didn't want to play basketball anymore. So mm -hmm. gave all that up. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of, in my mind, just wanted to go out and be a normal teenager and have fun, party, chase mm -hmm. girls, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and that's kind of what I did. But yeah, just kind of like, I guess, what I was talking about before with the food. Um, <laughs> with drugs as well like I just I was always really uh like nervous to try different drugs mm -hmm. but once I tried them I loved it like I just loved it um yeah, yeah. and uh yeah it just took off from there um and had a lot of fun for a long time actually um and then yeah I just uh just kind of started falling further and further down the rabbit hole um you know hanging out with trying different drugs um hanging out with different people I guess that were wanted to use drugs like I wanted to use drugs mm -hmm. um yeah so in the end of my addiction in kind of the lowest moments uh yeah like I was a full-time ice user um uh yeah using prescription pills drinking heaps of alcohol um smoking dope and having the old odd like taste of heroin here and there mm -hmm. <laughs> um and um yeah like I, I was pretty fucked like so I'm six foot six um, I got, I was really lucky. I got clean when I was, uh, 20, 21. Um, mm -hmm. and, but yeah, I was, uh, when I checked into rehab, I was, uh, 62 kilos. Jesus. Um, yeah. So I'm a hundred and hundred and, uh, 10 now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was, uh, I had like proper psychosis. So yeah, blackout and just couldn't remember what happened, but mm -hmm. I'd get told that I'd do all this crazy stuff. And yeah. I remember I used to walk home and kind of talk to myself people would like walk past me on the street and just like look at me weird and mm. I'd sort of realise what I was doing and then would be like, oh, fuck, you know. So I had all that going on, what a lot of ice users talk about, kind of thinking that you're on the Truman Show. Yeah, um, yeah so that was going on. Um, 
yeah, I, I was just really kind of like lost and confused, suicidal. So I'd had a couple of like pretty decent suicide attempts okay. and, and um, yeah, like died a couple of times and was revived and whatever. Um, but yeah, so it was just, um, when I look back on it, one word to describe it was just really like sad, you know, mm-hmm. just um, what a waste really. Just yeah. um, And how long ago was this, this period? Uh, so 26 now. So I got clean when I was 21. What's that yep. like? six mm-hmm. six seven years ago um yeah and uh i don't know and there do you think looking back on it, that decision to stop playing basketball was just because you purely wanted to experiment wanted to do those things that you were talking yeah about? well well what i think kind of happened it was that um you know uh, i'm always really confused i don't know if there is an answer to it really uh, you know there's all these questions of why did you everyone wants to know why did you start using drugs and um <laughs> I don't fucking know because well, his hot chick was smoking bongs and I wanted to go, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it was kind of a social thing. I probably had some personal stuff going on in the background that yeah. was a bit like petrol to the fire. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that through kind of a certain period of time of like smoking weed every day and, you know, starting to drink a lot and um, using different drugs kind of started yet yeah, to change my personality mm-hmm. and the way that I thought about the world and what I wanted to do. And yeah. I think that's what kind of, gotcha. you know, because I loved playing sport. I loved like playing basketball, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was quite out of character yeah. to, to make that decision. And but but yeah. the drugs, they stepped up the rung on your value system, you know? That's right. And I think we, we always, people like, I had to start drugs. Like it just happens. They're fucking everywhere. Right. But then it's why, is that drug, why does it feel so good, right? That's right. That's because it's solving a problem. Mm. Yeah, it's either taking away the anxiety we've got. And we don't think of this at the time. At the time, we're like, it just feels good. I fucking like it. I like to party, you know? That's right. But it's solving a deeper problem that's going on within us. Yeah. And it's so, you know, I was only talking about this the other day. So when I, and I couldn't understand this. So back when I started taking, you know, ecstasy and that kind of thing in my early 20s, and, you know, I'd go out and there'd be people going out and they'd go out have like one or two pills and yeah. be like, yeah, that was fun. Then I've got to go home, you know, I've got, you know, responsibilities. Whereas to me, as soon as I started taking pills, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about anything yeah. else. Yeah. This is the best thing in the entire world, yeah. right? So why is that the best thing in the world for me yet someone else takes the exact same thing and they're like, oh yeah, it's a bit of fun, but I've got other things in my life. Yeah. It's because it's solving this deeper issue. Yeah. Right, so that's that's how I really think, and then it sort of escalates from there because you go from one drug, oh that works, yeah, that's fun, oh now yeah. this one, now this one, now this one, yeah. And if the underlying stuff isn't addressed, it can really spiral yeah. out of control, yeah. Which it did for you and me, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, I, I've sort of found with people as well, um, yeah, like I I really do, I, I do think that um, yeah, it, it's a medical issue, and uh, I do, you know, I do think that um, it's kind of. It's not one thing or the other. It's like the perfect mix of a few things that kind of come together and turn someone into that addicted person. Because, you know, as you said, there's there's people that I've met as well that um or that I grew up with that went through horrific fucking shit through their like childhood or whatever mm-hmm. and had every reason to kind of be a drug addict. Yeah. But didn't you know they used drugs with us? But then yeah, there were the guys that could go and uh you know just go to work the next day and leave it alone and live normal kind of lives or whatever Mm. that's meant to be um yeah so it i I think it is a bit of a mixture of 
solving that deeper problem as you said there's something kind of um in our physiology that happens as well and yep. yeah like there's in a psychology yeah and it, it's so individual because that oh you can get caught up in that too and i was the same because i had the middle class upbringing loving parents That's that right. kind of thing then we start comparing and go like you said they've got reasons but i didn't yeah so then we start beating ourselves up and go yeah. well, who am i to fucking be doing all this and blah 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 when people have been through way worse yeah yet it's so hard not to compare, but we really can't because it's such. There's different definitions of trauma. Yeah. Right. There's so many different definitions. Of trauma. Then there's different coping mechanisms that we develop from that trauma. And it just yeah. happens that some people have certain traumas or micro traumas or perceived traumas that then develop a coping mechanism where drugs really work. Yeah. Someone else work might work. Yeah. Right. So someone else might just throw themselves into work. They're obsessed. Yeah. They're working 14 hour days and that kind of thing. And they're, they're hardly at home with their family and everything and not yeah. present. It's money, money, work, work, work. Yeah. And then society looks at that person and goes, what a success. Yeah. Ah, awesome. Yeah. Then that per- then the same people will look at the, the junkie on the street and go, fucking yeah. junkie loser kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just, they're, I see both types of people come in here and they're so similar. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just yeah. a sort of our perception as a society that differentiates them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's my little rant anyway. No, I like it. It's, it's all true. And uh, yeah, so... It, it just um it was it was a very dark time but at the same sense uh yeah uh, i'm just i'm really grateful that um things kind of how did you turn it around yeah how like, did you so, I, I, what did you say 64 kilos yeah six, 62 jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah uh, well, 62 or 65, I can never remember. In between, That's how much there, my though. dog weighs and he's yeah, not yeah. six foot six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was really skinny. Um, let's just say that. Well, you know, like I was just spending all my money on, on drugs and mm-hmm. staying up and not eating, really. I mean, like you said, we, we all have this hierarchy of values that changes throughout our life and That's then right. eventually drugs become number one and basketball drops down then you keep going then food fucking drops down that's below right. it that's right yeah so, so how did you how did you pull yourself out of it yeah so what happened was that um i i had um yeah when you said before dark times like there were so many times in my addiction that um yeah things were just fucked up and really fucked up shit happened um and yeah, just this this one time, it was kind of enough, I guess, in that moment to kind of help me to ask for help. I I just um, spent oh, like over seven grand in like a couple of days on drugs and was just up for like weeks um, and uh, fucking lost my mind and heaps of crazy shit happened. And I remember I, woke, I, I kind of came out of, it was like a blackout. Yeah, well, it was. I came out of a blackout at um, someone's house and um, was like, what the fuck? And then, uh, yeah, this guy kind of took me to the station. It was cold. Uh, at that time, I was rolling around. <laughs> I was kind of couch surfing. So I had like a pair of shorts and this like big Nordica jacket that was like reversible. And I remember it was kind of all dirty and shit because I wear it all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was fucking freezing and I had these shoes. <laughs> yeah, they, they just like had holes in them and i remember like my socks were wet and stuff and uh i just and i was really at that point in time yeah i'd had a couple of suicide attempts around that time as well so i was incredibly just like within myself incredibly depressed Mm -hmm. um and yeah i was just sitting at the station 
And I was just like, I'm fucked. And just something in that moment kind of made me go to my mum's house where I was kind of kicked out of at the time yep. um, because I had a younger brother and um, he was 10. So, you know, I was completely fucking erratic and was stealing shit from the house all the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I wasn't allowed wasn't allowed there. But went home and um, she wasn't letting me in. Um, but this time she'd let me in. I don't know why. Um, and I kind of walked into her bathroom and, uh, yeah, there's just a big mirror on the wall and it was really weird sounds cliche but it's actually 100% what happened Mm -hmm. um just looked at myself in the mirror and uh yeah my life kind of flashed before my eyes and I sort of saw myself for what I was that I was this happy-go-lucky guy that you know was kind of popular had heaps of friends potential like sporting career you know all these great opportunities and I'd sort of just turned into your stereotypical junkie um and uh yeah that was like really sad and depressed and um yeah suicidal and uh in that moment i'd had people hounding me for a long time but i just said yeah like i need to go get some help and mum's like well go to rehab and i was like yeah fucking whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet and um yeah she had them all listed and on speed dial and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. she called them straight away and yeah lucky got onto the nurse um and uh, yeah, spoke to the doctor and kind of talked to him and yeah, organized an assessment and I was lucky from there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the weird thing about that is, and that's what I always say to people with addiction as well, um, is that, yeah, when you're at that breaking point, yeah, like a, one of those rock bottom experiences isn't enough to kind of, it's, it's good because it like jolts you for however long it is, it's different for everyone. Um, but yeah, you need to kind of act quickly in that window of opportunity because I remember I got up the next morning and I still went to the assessment, but I remember I was saying, I told my, I don't want to fucking go. Like it was just felt, it was starting to feel like Already too, that old stuff was creeping back in that's saying, right. no, I don't go. That's yeah. right. And it, it just kind of felt like too much and you know, like it was, uh, but yeah, I went and, um, you know what actually really fucking helped me from that assessment I didn't meet I didn't meet the guy that really kind of helped me uh, turn my life around, but um, uh, <laughs> what happened was we went to the assessment and I couldn't get into the rehab. There was like a, it was like I think it was, oh, maybe it was longer than two or three days. It's all a bit blurry. I think it was like four days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lady said to me, I, rem- I can still remember my mum's like kind of horrified face. She said, "Don't use ice, but you can smoke as much." chuff as you want to <laughs> just smoke as much as you want and i was like yes <laughs> i remember thinking that's awesome see mom i've got the approval mum can just buy me a half bag and this will be grouse and um yeah so and and just when i think back on that it's funny but it's kind of horrible as well you know like with your mum in the car driving you around and you know yeah. of course i scored other shit when i was doing that and um yeah just blackmailing mum for four days like give me the you know it's just really horrible i can remember i yeah i can just remember her driving me around crying and um Mm -hmm. yeah just me being completely shut off to it and like having no and when i think about it now it makes me fucking want to cry you know like if you just think about the moment you're just like it's Mm -hmm. so terrible Mm -hmm. um but yeah just at that stage in my life i was just completely shut off to the world from the drugs they were just like a smoke screen um and so uh, it numbs out those emotions that's right people say that i didn't have any emotions but you did they were just pushed so far down that's right because it would be too much yeah for them to come up in that it's such an extreme situation that's right and um yeah so 
I managed just, they kind of, yeah, through smoking heaps of chuff, <laughs> managed to get me to rehab. And um, I went there and I was really lucky. I think it's one of the most important things. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I think there's a place for everyone that wants to help people through addiction. But definitely initially it was the most important thing to kind of help me just to get into the mind frame to listen to someone to get some help but yeah there was this guy there uh, who was a counsellor professionally qualified but yeah had also been through addiction kind of like what you guys do here I guess and mm -hmm. um, he just said to me listen and he shared his bit of his story with me and he was fucking crazy crazy bloke and um, I just really connected with it and uh yeah it was just enough to kind of help me to trust him and yeah you know and uh then i was able to kind of just get through that first week which yeah it was fucking horrendous the yeah, first week in rehab was horrendous it opened you up by the sounds of it yeah yeah a hundred percent yeah did, did it make you kind of think oh well, if this guy's got his shit together that's maybe, right maybe i can get yeah through it. I, I don't know like or maybe just thinking oh now he's opened up you can actually form a little bit of a bond and like yeah. right, well, at least i've got like a mate in here that's right well on. kind of uh, addicts or people in addiction <laughs> we have this real thing this we get this real like self-righteous attitude up and happening that oh no one fucking understands yeah, this and yeah. all this kind of stuff and i had all that going on and um yeah, and, and again, it wasn't so much when he, he, you know, he told me the story and what happened and all that kind of stuff. But I remember he, uh, and that was the biggest thing for me, he intimately described to me how I was thinking and feeling mm -hmm. and it fucking blew me away because yeah. I'd never heard anyone talk like that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, that's exactly how I feel. This guy gets it. Yeah, and um, I just couldn't articulate it or whatever. You know, I just never heard it before. And it, it really blew me away. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was just something like that because I'm a big believer just initially when people come to treatment or they want to get help through addiction. You know, like addiction, whether you're just kind of rich and sitting in your Ferrari snorting coke or whether you're kind of on the streets and it's hardcore, the biggest thing that people kind of develop is this lack of trust for whatever reason and mm -hmm. um yeah and and they just don't even if they talk to people about what's going on they never really kind of um explain what's going on deeply for them or mm. or what they're thinking and feeling which is super important and yeah they just don't trust anyone and i think that comes from what we're holding inside at that moment so i don't think we trust ourselves when we're in that yeah so then we reflect that and don't trust anyone and I think we also don't understand ourselves. Yeah. We've got a vague idea that yeah. when we don't fully understand what's going on, that's when we get that whole self-righteous thing. Yeah. Like no one fucking understands. Yeah. And it's not the first time I've heard a story like that where someone from the outside has actually made you understand or yeah. they've said it and it's just like, oh, oh, that's just connected so many dots in my mind. Yeah. So you can start to better understand yourself by them describing it to yeah. you. Yeah, and, and, and that was the thing. Like, yeah, by him just kind of sharing those yeah because addiction is kind of a tough place i guess you know like you don't walk into the crack house and say oh, i'm feeling fucking lonely today you know no. like <laughs> so so you know when someone kind of did it was a real like uh, took me back you know and yeah. um i just think that kind of act of of that just allowed you know i was still very kind of skeptical and negative about still everything sounds like a pivotal moment but it was it was a pivotal moment just to allow me to trust yeah. something like oh this guy knows it and knows what he's talking about yeah. which then allowed me to kind of yeah get through the rest wow. of it and talk to everyone else so. i think there was another pivotal moment that you described 
just before. So tell me, you said that that moment when you were at the station with your yep. shoes and wet socks and your shorts on yeah. and you went home and you said that your mum hadn't been letting you in before then yeah. for whatever reason she did this time. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? No idea. Yeah? No idea. Um, yeah, like I think um, she could probably hear it in my uh, voice yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like I really was. I was just defeated. Um, yeah, but I, I remember plenty of other times, uh, you know, going there and, <laughs> trying to get in to get a feed or mm-hmm. knock something off or whatever and yeah just would have been but for really some hard. reason yeah whether it was the tone of your voice some energy that she felt but she's That's like right. oh, i think this might be yeah the time that he's actually gonna yeah help. yeah it was really really yeah, and and that's what I mean. I, I just feel plus you um, can give you some dry socks as well. That's right, <laughs> that's right. And yeah, like when I look back on it, I just feel really lucky that um, I had mum there, and yeah, good family support in that way. Um, yeah, because I, I meet a lot of other people um, that maybe don't have that to that extreme, and yeah, it just makes it that much harder. It is, it's not so an excuse, but it does make it a little bit yeah. harder to kind of Absolutely. get the help and get support. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, you were in rehab for how long? So I did the like kind of intensive rehab where, yeah, pretty kind of standard um, rehab that you see on the TV or whatever, um, where we did like group therapy and, um, uh, you know, individual counselling and groups and workshops like full on all day, every Mm -hmm. day. That was for 30 days, finished that. And then from there, I um, went and stayed in a place called Shark. and yeah, that was just a massive thing for me. Um, so yeah, that's a supported uh, youth program. Um, and uh, what happens is you go there and it's kind of, there's like a program, but it's not like intensive. It's it's kind of designed to be a community-based thing where you, and then you get given a house that's subsidized on your kind of dole payments or your work payments, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of, get given a little bit of responsibility but with some support as well um yeah and you get to live kind of on your own with other guys in the program and you know obviously there's the rules like you have to do uds's and you can't take drugs and all that kind of stuff um and yeah that i stayed there for 18 months um and yeah that was just massive because the workers there kind of encouraged me to go back and do some schooling Mm -hmm. and um yeah i i remember another really important um thing for me was that you know and it's funny to think back on it now because i was so fucked at the time but (laughs) the doctor at the rehab wouldn't sign my um uh medical for the doll you know like uh, i forget what it's called it's like a medical exclusion form or something like that. three months that's right you don't have have to apply for work but you get a medical exemption that's right um for centrelink yeah that's right yeah so he wouldn't sign it And I remember fucking thinking, you bastard. Like, uh, but it was really good because, yeah, he, he. I remember him saying to, he'd been through addiction as well, and he said, you know, I, I signed these for people that have genuine mental health, medical issues that you know. But I believe that you're a capable person. A big part of recovery is becoming a productive member of society again, um, and not having limiting beliefs about yourself that you can't do it because you're a drug addict. It's not true. You can. Um, so I think that you should go and do the stuff. And you know that was so helpful for me, yeah. even though I fucking hated him at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was. It was really good because um, it kind of just forced me to get out there and do some stuff. And yeah. and I did. And and through doing that stuff, I found a bit of purpose and you know got a bit of vision back which is completely one of the most important things 
um, for my recovery and that I see for other people going through treatment and recovery mm-hmm. and whatever is, you know, yes, you have to do all the emotional work and all that kind of stuff. And it's not just about going back to work, but it is, yeah, a lot of people in addiction are just lost and I was too. And, um, yeah, when you have a bit of direction in your life, it helps so much more. Um, yeah, and so what was that direction for you? Where did you start moving from that point yeah. when you're in the shark program? So so I was encouraged – I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I was encouraged by the workers – to go and do something um and i had a big thing because i was never really good academically that you know i couldn't go back to school and um you know i was dumb and all that kind of stuff so they believe that's right (laughs) so they encouraged me to um they said oh jack you're really good at kind of talking to people and helping and whatever why don't you go back and do a diploma of um you know mental health and drug and alcohol work and mm-hmm. you sort of know a bit about it because you've been through it and be good to learn and all that kind of stuff so i went oh well okay so yeah went and did that was lucky at the time the labor government had all those um really good subsidy programs and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah like i got a good run at school did that that took 18 months and yeah that's kind of how i fell into like the rest of my life and it's yeah it's always been not exactly knowing what I'm doing but just kind of having fronting up and having a go mm-hmm. and aiming for something higher um and it's funny though uh I, I haven't actually shared this story before um but I, I remember at, at that first rehab when I was sitting in the group and this group therapy and this this counselor he was really amazing at whatever he was doing and um yeah he really like fucked with my head and kind of broke me in this group and just had a massive breakthrough with me and got you know broke me down and then I was able to kind of let everything go and then actually just be honest about myself because I had all the walls and the masks Mm -hmm. up and all this bullshit and um yeah I remember sitting in the group after it just feeling so much better and um just like kind of looking at everyone and I remember thinking fuck it'd be really cool to like own a rehab one day and um yeah it was funny like i went back to school and ended up kind of doing that you know like so it's <laughs> how profound yeah, it was it's it's weird can yeah. you remember what he was specifically challenging within you yeah so i had all this bullshit going on about um so i'm as soft as butter um mm. and he actually used to make me say that <laughs> um but yeah i had this real um complex going on with myself about like what a man was um and uh yeah, kind of who I had to be that I kind of picked up through using and stuff. You know, I was trying to make out that I was tough. And, um, you know, when I look back on it, it's such a wanker because I'm anything but that. Um, it's but the, the butter trying to wear an armor or something. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like uh, I just had all that going on and um, I, I just wasn't able, oh, like I, I wasn't being honest about kind of who I really was and, what I was feeling and what I was thinking. Um, and I had this massive, within all that, I was kind of making out that I was this tough guy, but I had this massive self-esteem issue and was unable to kind of communicate to anyone what I thought about a situation or them or speak for myself because mm-hmm. I thought that they wouldn't fucking like me. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was it was like this process of kind of getting me to admit that 
I wasn't who I thought I was. Um, and then kind of trying to be who I actually am. And then, yeah, like trying to get me to kind of be more active in the group and talk to people and just be honest about me, really. Yeah. Um, and did you find that from that point on, you were a bit more open with people in the group? Oh, definitely. Straight yeah. away, yeah. Yeah, and I remember like, yeah, it was like kind of the first time that, yeah, I felt fear, like emotional fear and kind of moved through it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Vulnerability, all, yeah. That's right, Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it the first few times you do it, um, and still sometimes now, <laughs> it's really scary to kind of be vulnerable and um, yeah. talk about you as a, who you are and expose yourself. Um, but, yeah, it's just essential. It's, I think it's, it's scary as until you do it. That's right. And it's like I think we have – because that was one of the biggest blocks to me is that I can't let anyone see me vulnerable, no one. Mm. So you walk around with that mask on all the time, which takes so much energy because you can't let anybody in your life think that you might be struggling. That's right. Then when you learn to get past that, and it's like similar thing to me, it's like you need someone to push up against your ego and your ego is pushing back. It's like, no, no, no. And then finally someone gets to the point where they push your ego off the side of the cliff and you realize, ah, that doesn't have to be who I am. And then when you do open up and be vulnerable, the biggest fear I think is that shit, people are going to judge me, people are going to call me weak, yeah. but that never happens yeah. because there's nothing more inspiring than when someone steps in front of you and is completely vulnerable. That's like right. you'd never attack that person yeah. for being who they are. That's right. And I think then every time you do it from that point forward and you keep not getting attacked, the fear I don't think ever really goes away fully, yeah. but I think it reinforces that you can keep doing it and keep doing it the more positive response that you get. That's right, yeah. And um, yeah, the... All the work that I've done through the years now that I've been in recovery and clean, um, it, it all comes back to like the the overall, for me, the overall kind of um, what recovery is about for me is uh, like self-acceptance. Um, and then the biggest thing getting in the way of that or me kind of getting the life that I want is uh, like fear and guilt and shame, really. Mm. They're the, the biggest ones, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, when I was able to look at all that stuff, which was all really scary stuff for me, um, yeah, like I, I have kind of managed to get, I wouldn't say that I completely have self-acceptance, but I'm able, I, like I have a lot more, you know, um, yeah. and feel good about myself now and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, that guilt and shame are so crucial. You'll see, the listeners can't see, but we have a, a little graph thing over here with yeah. a list of the emotions and their you know corresponding vibration and the bottom of that scale is guilt and shame yeah. they're the two heaviest yeah. emotions yeah and they're the two biggest drivers of addiction that we see yeah and it's like people and, are yeah go yeah and and sh- like I, that's what i learned about like you know guilt is kind of what you feel bad about what you've you, kind of your actions i mm-hmm. guess um and and shame is really the beliefs that you have about yourself or feeling bad about you as a yeah. person yeah it's and like they're like cousins yeah. you know it's like guilt says what i did was bad that's right. shame says i am bad because of what i that's did. right yeah. that's right um and yeah that shame is a really important one um to kind of attack and it's funny like i just had this moment when we're talking then i just kind of like zoomed out on what we're doing and i just thought yeah like if you had a fucking told me any of this when i came for a rehab assessment <laughs> I wouldn't have fucking walked the other way out the door, you know? Um, and, yeah, so if anyone's listening to this and you, I don't know, you're struggling or whatever and you, yeah, like 
don't worry, it like kind of comes. Yeah, because yeah. people just think it's weird. But yeah, I, I never realized that. But yeah, addiction really isn't about the drugs. It's no. it's about everything else that's underneath. Yeah, yeah. of course you don't. I mean, we <laughs> we subconsciously, without knowing it, we use to escape from our negative emotions. Yeah. So to then say talk to someone just specifically about negative emotions, like I would have been the same. I'm like, no. Yeah, I like to party, mate. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm using ice and GHB every day. I haven't spoke to my family in six months. I've been yeah. arrested twice and written off my car. Yeah, party yeah. till you're homeless. Just party, <laughs> party till you're homeless. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, mate. I love it. All right, we're going to hit up the question round because we are running a bit short on time. Cool. No worries. We're going to have to do a round two of this. Yeah, no I worries. Feel like I'm just getting warmed up here, mate. Done. All right, so. We've already actually just touched on this. My first question is normally what negative emotion or negative thought pattern do you think has held you back the most in your life? Is it that guilt and shame and fear? Fear, yeah, fear and guilt and yeah. shame for sure. And oh, well, I would say probably, I, I would probably say fear and shame. Just, yeah. yeah, those two. And what about, you touched on limiting beliefs. What's maybe a limiting belief that you've had in your life that's that's held you back, do you think? Uh, that... Um, the biggest one that I had was that uh, I'm not okay as me, you know, mm. like just me as Jack yeah. is not good enough and is is not okay. Yeah. Biggest one. Yeah. yeah. That I'm not enough, right? Yeah. I have to give, we've got a fridge magnets here that say I'm enough to people who are in their fridge because yeah. I feel that's the, the, the core limiting belief that I think a lot of the others stem from. Yeah. That we get created at a very young age yeah. that I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Uh, okay, so you talk about doing you know, self-development, working towards something, having vision and growth. Is there something in particular that you're focusing on in yourself at the minute that you're trying to improve? Uh, yeah, to um, so I don't believe in balance, um, <laughs> but uh, just to be, it's actually something that I'm trying to, that kind of I feel like I had. So uh, yeah, I've been in recovery for nearly, um, yes, been clean for nearly seven years now and um uh i feel like i had it at one stage there and um just being in the moment that is um and that's what i'm trying to get back to kind of at a high or what i feel is a high level for me um but yeah just this year having um the business um and a few new things going on in my life like uh moved out with carolina and um yeah like lots of stuff, I'm just busy all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I really have noticed that, that I haven't been in the moment as much as I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just uh, affects everything around me and the connection that I have with people and the quality of my relationships, you know, the quality of my decisions, my thought process, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I do remember when I feel like I had that at a good level, um, yeah, I was really happy. Because yeah. uh, you're not like, you know, if you're shooting off into the future, you're in fear. And if you're thinking about the past, you're usually kind of angry or guilty. Regretting. Yeah, <laughs> regretting. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so being in the moment is really good. And that's something that was essential for me to kind of stay clean when I was yeah. trying to get off drugs. Yeah. Well, well, this next question might lead into that. So what habits or routines do you have at the moment that are serving you best? Are you trying to put anything in place that's going to help you get in the moment? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I've always done uh, I was what I got taught to kind of when I was getting clean uh, to do that would help me to stay clean um, was, you know, to have a morning routine, to have things in my day that I did all the time um, and to have like a night routine as well. Mm -hmm. um, something I'm trying to get back that I did for a while as well. Um, 
so there's heaps of stuff I could tell you about that I do most days but uh, the really important one is I uh, do or have done over the years an actual like you do on your business like you do an inventory on your business mm -hmm. like I do one on my day um, yeah, and okay. it's really cool you know it's like, it's what like, would that look like? so it's like journaling but it's like active journaling around specific things so a um, couple of questions might be um, what did I um, do well today mm -hmm. what did I do not so well today like how was I feeling was there anything that made me angry yep. uh, was I happy about anything today and and really just yeah was I fearful about anything today really just kind of taking a structured look at my life and again the last year haven't been doing that as much and it's a really good way to get s massive amounts of self-improvement um, mm. on a kind of um what do they say? Like a micro level, you know, like the big picture is, yeah, I'm in recovery and yep. I want to get here and all that kind of stuff. But you need a real kind of focused commitment. Um, and that's a really good way of doing it. I've found that someone showed me. It's good. Um, it's like a real check-in, isn't it? That's right. But it's hard because yeah. you got to force yourself to sit there and do it. It doesn't yep. take long, um, but mm. I find it hard because, um, yeah, you you're challenge like you're not only just writing about your day but you're actively kind of challenging yourself to think about what mm -hmm. you've done how you could do better what you did well mm -hmm. and often what you did well is the hardest part by the way yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feared this this and this what did i do right i don't know yeah that's right um yeah and i find that that is something that i'm trying to get back consistently because it really helps Re i like it and it just again helps me to be in the moment helps yeah. me to be more aware of what's happening in my day um yeah it's really good yeah it is it's a real check-in i like i think i've mentioned it on the podcast before the five minute journal is a good one for that yeah i've seen that one yeah, yeah so yeah. you can just get the app on your phone it's like five bucks or something and um it's you can set the alarm so it's like it'll tell you like yeah. i did that one for now yeah, it's good. It's like a smaller version of what you're talking it about. Is. So it's good. there's the one at the start of the day, like three things I'm grateful for, three things that I'll do today to make today great, and I am dot dot dot. Then the end of the day is three things that happened today that were great. That's right. And one thing that could have been better. So yep. it's like what you're saying, but just a condensed kind of yep. version. That's right. It's good. I've done that one before. It's, it is good. Yeah. 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 Nice. All right. And is there any books, uh, documentaries, resources, or things that have helped yep. you on your journey the most? Um, oh. Heaps. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a – so I never – as I said before, I never really liked um, academic stuff. Um, but I found when I got clean that I do like some of that stuff if I'm interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that was half the problem. So oh, heaps of stuff for different things. Um, uh, I've actually got a lot out of um, – uh, Warren Buffett, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, the Oracle and, of Omaha. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Munger, more so. Probably his, um, his partner. He's a really smart dude. And they're like billionaires that do investing and stuff. But mm. a lot of Charlie Munger's books are about like psychology and stuff like yeah. that. And I read it originally because I wanted to try and make money. Mm. <laughs> um, and like, yeah. why are you talking about emotions? That's Tell right. me how to make money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's been really big. Um, but oh, I listen to heaps of podcasts, heaps of um, yeah. I just encourage anyone listen to heaps of podcasts, watch heaps of YouTube videos. Like you can't go wrong. Yeah. You'll kind of find what you like pretty quickly. Yeah, you just start yeah. watching more of what you're into and what you want to learn about. Yeah. And there's certainly not a lack of bloody information right. out there at the minute. Yeah. What are um, one or maybe two podcasts you're into at the minute? Uh, James Eldritch's show. <coughs> Shift happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. So yeah, who was it? I actually have been. I uh, I saw it come up on Facebook. Um, I think uh, it was Bianca's one um, from the Bianca Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, from the that the program Youth U program. Yeah. I always forget it. Um, yeah, and I saw that and I listened to it and it's been yeah. I've, I've listened to a fair few now. It's really good. Um, Excellent. And <laughs> was that believable? No, <laughs> joking. Um, yeah, and. Uh, James Eldridge's show is a really good one. Um, What's that one about? Uh, so it's about it's listed as a business one, and it's a and his kind of spiel is it's about peak performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find he's kind of he's a he's a funny character, um, and he interviews yeah some really interesting people, and he's a writer, so he kind of gets a lot of um, he gets a lot of the people that everyone else has on their podcast, um, but he gets a lot of um, uh, kind of different people as well that are writers that you might not necessarily have heard of yeah, that yeah. are really interesting and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's a really good one. Um, and also, oh, there's a few like the Tim Ferriss show. Um, uh, yeah, the Tony Robbins one. Mm-hmm. Gary Vee is pretty cool. I've just been starting to get into Gary Vee. Yeah. Um, I, I'd known Gary Vee for a while, but just more on the podcast yeah, stuff because yeah. he posts every day. There's something yeah, new yeah. coming he's out. He's a psycho. Yeah. Um, no, but he's really good. Um, yeah, just all all those ones. You kind of, if you look up one of those, down the bottom there'll be like twenty others that relate to I like those. That. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and you can kind of find the person that you like to listen to. Yeah. I like James James Altucher is probably the best one. Nice, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. and they're good, man. You listen to them in the car if you're at the gym or going for a That's walk. Right. Like, yeah. you can sort of consume it while you're doing other stuff, which That's is right. really really cool. All right, let's finish up with a couple of things. The first, if someone's listening out there right now who is really battling with addiction or maybe a mental illness they're battling really really hard yeah what would you say might be the the first step for them at leading them out of that oh good question just um talk to someone that you feel comfortable with mm. uh yeah that one that um, could be friend family member psychologist like whoever that's right. right whoever yeah. yeah um and uh if you can um try and kind of tell them what's really going on in your head um yeah that's it might not seem like much but you don't have to do anything drastic but that's a massive step yeah, so yeah, yeah. that it is though it sounds so simple but you're finding someone you're comfortable with and saying what's really going that's on right like yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's big I, I had um a moment where it must have been i'd gone clean then i must have relapsed and i let my friends and family back in at this point um but i called up my best mate and was on the phone to him for yeah. like half an hour or something and you know, I was high, but I was yabbering on, but I was actually starting to think about why yeah. I was even in this situation instead yeah. of just trying to run away. And um, that was so important for me. It opened me up so much. Yeah. And, like I started jabbering, I'm like, oh, am I banging on too much? And he goes, mate, this is the most real conversation we've ever had in our 15 years of wow. friendship. So yeah, for the first yeah. time, that vulnerability thing, the first time I'm actually talking about what's happening in my head yeah. instead of doing the classic, I'm all right, <laughs> I'm fine, right? It's good. So, so important. Uh, and just to finish up, where can people find you or get in touch with you if they want to know yep, more about um, what you're up to? So, yeah, I, I kind of wish I had been doing it a bit more, but I think next year might be a bit a bit better. But uh, so, yeah, I run um, – it's going to be an online platform called Real Drug Talk. Um, 
So at the moment, we're probably the most active on Facebook. But yeah, we've got the website there, realdrugtalk.com.au. Awesome. We'll um, link all yeah. that up in the show notes. Cool. But go check it out. He's doing yeah, great work. And if you're in the Moorabbin area, head to, to Cochrane's Road. Yeah, Cochrane's Road, 4 Cochrane's Road, Moorabbin, Wise Falls Cafe. Get an Akai Bowl. That's right. And an almond milk latte. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, thanks so much for coming on, mate. This was awesome. No um, I feel like we're going to have to do a part two in the future when we have a, a bit more time. Um, but yeah, you came on here and you were vulnerable with your story and I think it's going to help a lot of people, mate. So really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace out. And there's another episode done and dusted. Thank you so much for tuning in. For all the episode details and all the show notes, everything that we covered in that chat, head on over to shpodcast.com.au. That's shpodcast.com.au. And if you could leave us all on an iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would mean the world to me. It would put a smile on my face uh, on my day. So that would be amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. It said the greatest gift that one human being can give to another is the gift of their attention. So I thank you so much for that. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week, everyone. I'll see you all in the next episode. Peace out. Shift, shift, happens. I can't, I can't, I can't.